We hope you enjoy this episode from our series, Famous Fates. It's about the impactful lives and shocking deaths of history's most influential people. To hear even more episodes each week, subscribe to Famous Fates exclusively on Spotify. Where are we going, Papa? I don't know, my son. Where are you taking us? To a safer location. To the basement. Anastasia, shh. Yes, Miss Romanov. There is unrest in the town, and you are not safe on the top floor. That is why you have been brought here. There are not even enough chairs here. Stand along that wall. All of you. Mother wishes to sit. Bring me those two chairs. Yes, sir. How long must we stay here? Please, it is the middle of the night. We are cold and confused. Why have you brought us down here? Tsar Nicholas, your royal and close relatives inside this country and abroad were trying to save you. But the Soviet of Workers' Deputies resolved to kill you. What? Papa! (gasps) Nicholas! No! Please! July 17th, 1918, Yekaterinburg, Russia, the basement of a well-guarded house. This is where Grand Duchess Anastasia, her family, and their attendants were brutally gunned down in an assassination plot by a Bolshevik military outfit. This would mark the end of Tsarist Russia and the beginning of communism. Yet it was the start of something else, too a legend that would sweep the country and eventually the world, remaining one of the most tantalizing mysteries ever recounted. It was a legend which claimed that the Tsar's youngest daughter, Anastasia, had escaped the execution and fled to safety. That the 17-year-old Duchess was the sole survivor of the massacre. And the last remaining emblem of Tsarist Russia. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. And I'm Carter Roy. Welcome to Famous Fates, a ParCast original exclusive to Spotify. Each week we'll release five fresh episodes centered around a common theme, such as Hollywood icons, influential women, or music legends. In each episode, we'll take a close look at the remarkable life of a different person. With the help of voice actors, we'll dramatize their incredible lives, reimagining their greatest and weakest moments. Then we'll examine their controversial deaths. Some deaths came too soon, some remained shrouded in mystery, and some changed the world forever. Today we're covering the Grand Duchess of Russia, Anastasia Romanov. The circumstances of her death cemented her iconic status in pop culture. But in life, she was the playful youngest sister, a girl who never asked for her tragic destiny. You can find episodes of Famous Fates and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. To stream Famous Fates for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Famous Fates in the search bar. Famous Fates is a Spotify exclusive, so you can only find it on Spotify. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Now, back to the life of Anastasia Romanov. When Tsar Nicholas II ascended to the throne in 1894, the Russian people were hopeful. 
They had endured years of oppression during the reign of Alexander III and felt that Nicholas would give the country a fresh start. However, it quickly became apparent that would not be the case. The day of Nicholas' coronation, there were so many spectators that officials had to clear a way for the new emperor. This resulted in a terrible stampede, which claimed 1,300 lives. It was an event that cast a dark shadow over Nicholas's reign, a shadow that would only grow over time. But it wasn't just this tragedy that plagued the Romanovs. Nicholas and his wife Alexandra were in desperate need of an heir. All they had were three young daughters, and another was on the way. Anastasia Romanov was born on June 18, 1901 in St. Petersburg, Russia. She was Nicholas and Alexandra's fourth daughter, who joined older sisters Olga, Tatiana, and Maria. Nicholas was conflicted about her birth. He had so desperately wanted a son. But after some reflection, he eventually warmed to the idea and actually celebrated her birth by pardoning a group of student rioters who had been arrested. In honor of this act, he named her Anastasia, which means breaker of chains. But her close family called her Nastya for short. Despite their status as the royal patriarch and matriarch, Nicholas and Alexandra brought their children up more simply than you might imagine. Food served in the palace was good, but rarely did the royals splurge on decadent delicacies. On top of that, the four sisters didn't even have their own rooms. Anastasia shared a bedroom with her older sister Maria. The two of them were known as the little pair. Olga and Tatiana, who bunked together, were known as the big pair. The four girls were thick as thieves and often signed letters with the initials OTMA to represent all of them. While they may not have grown up in excess, the girls did have a strict schedule to adhere to. Breakfast was at 9 a.m., lunch at 1 p.m., tea 5 p.m., dinner at 8 p.m., and schooling in between. After dinner, the girls loved to play charades and do needlework while Nicholas read aloud to them. Nicholas must have been overwhelmed having five women in the house. That's a lot of estrogen. <laughs> yes, he was definitely outnumbered. But something was about to change that. In 1904, Alexandra gave birth to their fifth child and their first boy. They named him Alexei. The two were thrilled that they now had a son, and more importantly, an heir. Yes, Alexandra had been determined to bring a son into the world to continue the Romanov legacy. Anastasia was just as thrilled as her mother. Having been the youngest until Alexei, she was now able to take a little brother under her wing, and that she did. Anastasia hated school just as much as she loved mischief. She was known for playing pranks on the palace servants and tutors, and often she would enlist the help of little Alexei to carry out her schemes. One night during a dinner party hosted by her parents at the palace, Anastasia convinced her brother Alexei to creep under the table with her. The two began pinching guests. Oh! What is that? My! What is down there? Ruff, ruff, what is happening? There are children under the table. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Anastasia, Alexei, get out from under there. Okay, Papa. Young lady, I know you are under there, and you are not a dog. Come out before I call on someone to retrieve you. Hello, Papa. I was pretending to be Zvitsky. Zvibzik was her tiny Pomeranian that Anastasia absolutely adored. Yes, well, at this moment, I prefer the fluffy ankle biter to you. It can at least be subdued with a scrap of pot roast. <laughs> in addition to her pranks and mischief, Anastasia didn't put much stock in etiquette. She was known to love chocolate and eat it with abandon. 
Rarely did she take off her gloves when she indulged, so it was common to find traces of chocolate all over her fine white gloves and clothes not to mention her face. In fact, Anastasia was a bit of a tomboy. She frequently climbed trees. Once she made it to the top, she often refused to come down. Anastasia's free spirit could not be contained within the confines of a palace. She craved the outdoors. She craved adventure. Oddly enough, though, her next adventure would not be found outside. Adventure was coming to her in the palace, in the form of a man. What is it, Nicholas? Where have you been? I was out for a walk. I began thinking about all that ails me. The welfare of our children was at the forefront of my mind. It was all-consuming. I found myself staring at the ground. When I thought to look up, I saw a man. I could tell from his dress that he was a commoner, but I could also tell that he was special. He was a holy man. I did not ask him to come, and yet he knew that he should. I can't explain it, Alexandra, but I would like you to meet him. Meet him? He's here? The man that entered had long, disheveled black hair and a flowing beard. He looked more like a mythological sorcerer than a man of flesh and blood. He was known to some as the Mad Monk, and known to many as Grigory Rasputin. Your Imperial Highness, I humbly express my utmost admiration for you and your family. I know you have been experiencing a world of anguish and uncertainty. It is your youngest that gives you the most grief. Alexia, yes. He is very ill. We mustn't tell. You have my word. I know the world beyond these walls is full of judgment. I do not envy the weight you carry. Thank you. What can you do for him? I will not know until I meet with the child. Yes, of course. He is upstairs. Alexei suffered from a blood condition called hemophilia. It is a rare disorder in which blood doesn't clot correctly because it lacks the required proteins to do so. This causes sufferers to lose much more blood than the average person, even with a small cut or injury. It can be terribly debilitating. Alexander had already sought help from several different medical experts, but none could do much for her son. None until Rasputin. Under his care, Alexei's condition improved, and so the Romanov family trusted him greatly. Seen as a profound healer, Rasputin was invited into their innermost circle. Eventually, Rasputin became more than a physical healer. He became a spiritual guide for the family. Alexandra encouraged all her children to meet with him to talk openly and honestly. Had he become the family therapist? Sounds like it. Of all the Romanov children, Anastasia formed the closest bond with Rasputin. She referred to him as her only true friend. When the family traveled, the children sent Rasputin correspondence, and one day he replied to them with a telegram. It was in the form of spiritual advice. Dear little children, thank you for remembering me, for your pure heart, and for your love for the people of God. Love the whole of God's nature the whole of his creation, in particular this earth. The mother of God was always occupied with flowers and needlework. But his relations with the royal family caused gossip and sordid speculation to spread like wildfire. Pornographic cartoons depicting Rasputin having inappropriate relations with the Romanov women circulated. This brought much shame to the family, so Nicholas asked Rasputin to leave for some time. In 1916, Rasputin was murdered by a group of Russian nobles who wanted to stop him from influencing the royal family. They feared he would lead to the destruction of their beloved country. 
You may remember from history class that Rasputin escaped death twice before he finally met his end. The group of conspirators first tried to poison Rasputin, but he survived. Then they shot him, but he woke up. He was then shot several more times, beaten and thrown into the river. That apparently did the trick. When the Romanov children got wind of Rasputin's death, they were devastated. But poor Anastasia, only 15 at the time, was heartbroken. Nastia, why haven't you eaten? I have lost him. He's left us as quickly as he had come. The world is too cruel. I cannot stomach it. You must eat something. I'll eat when I see my Gregory again. It didn't help that the largest nations were immersed in a brutal war. World War I had been raging for two years, and the Romanovs were witnessing the tragic effects daily. They had opened the palace to wounded soldiers and turned many of the rooms into a hospital. The elder sisters, Olga and Tatiana, served as nurses. Are you thirsty, soldier? I am. I will fetch some water for you. But Anastasia and Maria, too young to work in the infirmary, served as patronesses. They donated their royal allowances to pay for medications and supplies, and more importantly, they lifted spirits. They read aloud to the bedridden men and played card games and chess with them. But as the war raged on around them, a bitter revolution was brewing inside their own country. The seeds for this were planted in 1905, when a protest had erupted outside the palace gates. Factory laborers were petitioning for better working conditions. Nicholas's troops fired on the demonstrators, killing and wounding hundreds. This event became known as Bloody Sunday, and it set the stage for further unrest. In the process, new political entities emerged, which included the Social Democrats' party. Out of this, the group known as the Bolsheviks was born. Its political platform appealed to the two largest social groups in Russia, peasants and factory workers. Thanks to pivotal revolutionary leaders Vladimir Lenin and Leon Trotsky, the Bolsheviks gained steam. By 1917, all bets were off. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, back to our story. In 1917, about 90,000 demonstrators stormed the streets of the capital city, protesting Russia's involvement in World War I and the Tsar's poor handling of the economy which left so many people in utter poverty. This massive protest prompted Nicholas to order his military to respond. The soldiers arrived and the protests intensified, but something surprising was about to happen that would turn the tide forever. Nicholas dismantled the Duma, the Russian parliamentary group in government, because they often opposed him. Dissolving the Duma was a big no-no, and soon, Nicholas's troops sent to squash the uprising actually turned against him. He was basically dethroned in what was to be known as the February Revolution. The provisional government was set up to handle the transition. But this interim government would eventually fall to the Bolshevik regime. As if severe political unrest was not enough, all five Romanov children fell ill with the measles. At this time, Nicholas was away at the general headquarters in Mogilev for a political meeting. Alexandra was alone with her five children. And just outside the palace walls were groups of soldiers in revolt. However, the children did not know this. Mother? What is all that noise? Yes, Mother, why are there soldiers outside? That's nothing to be alarmed about. Your father has ordered his troops to perform military exercises. How are we to sleep? With your eyes closed. 
of course. She was trying to conceal the truth from her children as long as possible. But on March 15, 1917, Alexandra learned that Nicholas had abdicated the throne, and soon she would have to explain it all. The next day, the provisional government took the Romanovs into custody. They were put under house arrest. However, they were still allowed to continue their schooling and take walks along the grounds. But when they did, people would gather at the gate and shout insults at them. But not everyone hated the Romanovs. They still had supporters in Russia and abroad. Months later, the provisional government decided that the family should be taken to Tobolsk, a small Siberian city. They departed by train with their closest attendants and servants by their side. But when the Bolsheviks seized control of Russia in April, Nicholas and Alexandra were called to Moscow. The Tsar was to go on trial. But due to complications, he and Alexandra were instead moved to a house in Yekaterinburg. Alexandra sent word to her daughters, who were still in Tobolsk. But fearing that any correspondence would be confiscated and read by the Bolshevik guards, she wrote the most important part of the letter in code. Hide the family medicine. Medicine had been a predetermined code word for the family jewels. When they had a moment away from the guards, the four Romanov sisters gathered the jewels and sewed them into their dresses, concealing them from their Bolshevik captors. Hurry! They mustn't know what we are doing. What we are doing? We're only sewing. Yes, that's right. We will pretend we are fixing the holes in some old dresses. They will never know. Mother can sleep soundly. I miss her. And father, too. I miss their embrace. I miss their scoldings. <laughs> You do not. Today I do. We will see them soon, Nastya. Not soon enough. Come on, keep sewing. In May of 1917, the Romanov sisters and Alexei joined their parents in Yekaterinburg. This place, however, was much less bearable than the last. And it would be their final stop. Being confined to a house with closed windows and no access to the outside was hardest on Anastasia. The captivity took its toll on her. <sighs> What is it now, Nastya? This place. Or should I say a prison? Darling, why don't you read us something? I don't feel like reading. Perhaps a play, then. You always know how to make us laugh. I don't want to do a play. What do you want? I want to get out of this place. My darling, that is not an option right now. Well, at least some air, then. Nastya, don't! <gasps> Step away from the window! My God! My child! Stay where you are! Nasty, are you all right? Mother. I was not intending to kill. The windows are to remain closed. Come here, Nastia. There is a draft where I am sitting. You can pretend it is a breeze. Oh, Mother. It was around this time that a rumor began spreading throughout Russia. There was a supposed plot in the works, a mission to rescue the Romanovs from their captors. The very mention of this deeply alarmed the Bolsheviks, who felt a sudden urgency to prevent this from happening. And so they decided to take action and go on the offensive. On July 17, 1918, the guards woke the Romanovs and their attendants in the middle of the night. They were told not to take anything with them, but the girls gathered items such as pillows and Anastasia carried her dog, Jimmy. The guards took them to the basement of the house. How long must we stay here? Please, it's the middle of the night. We are cold and confused. Why have you brought us down here? Tsar Nicholas, your royal and close relatives inside this country and abroad were trying to save you. But the Soviet of workers' deputies resolved to kill you. What? Papa! Oh. 
Nicolas! No, please! Ah! Those two are still alive. Please, don't. It is believed that Anastasia and one of her sisters had not been killed by the bullets, so the men turned to their bayonets. Anastasia was only 17 at the time of her death. How are we to dispose of them? There are so many. Yes. And we did not anticipate- We can use the stretchers, the wooden shafts, sir. Yes, that may work. Sir, there are jewels sewn into their dresses. The bullets must have struck them. That's why they didn't fall like the others. What does that matter now? Some believe the jewels sewn into the clothes helped deflect the bullets. This story would help give birth to an enchanting legend that would continue throughout the ages and bring a glimmer of hope to the supporters of the Romanovs. The family and their servants were buried in a mass grave. But before that, the soldiers, intent on concealing the identities of their victims, disfigured their faces. They cut them with knives and burned their skin with sulfuric acid. The Bolshevik regime was fearful that if the Russian people found out what they had done, their cause would lose much of its support, so they had to keep it a secret. However, early the next day, while the soldiers were still burying the bodies, some villagers stumbled upon the scene. The Bolsheviks chased them away, threatening them with violence. Well, the story goes that the villagers returned and found some jewels they believed belonged to the Romanovs. Word spread that the Romanovs had been killed, Eventually, the rumors started. One of the daughters may have escaped. It's unclear how this specific rumor started, but it led to an investigator ordering the excavation of the burial site. And just when it seemed that the truth would come to light, the digging was halted by a counter-order. It wasn't until 1991 that the remains were finally exhumed. A few years later, they were then identified as those of the Tsar's family through DNA testing. However, Anastasia's remains were never conclusively identified, and it would seem that the old rumors were grounded in truth, because two of the royal family's bodies were missing. This evidence, or lack thereof, helped contribute to one of Russia's greatest unsolved mysteries. What really happened to Anastasia? A whirlwind story developed following the execution. Word spread that one of the Romanov sisters had actually escaped. Eventually, the theory arose that it was Anastasia that survived. This set in motion a slew of possible Anastasias coming out of the woodwork. More than 30 women throughout the decades came forth claiming to be the Grand Duchess who cheated death. One of the earliest imposters to emerge was Nadezhda Ivanovna Vasilyeva, a woman who, trying to leave Russia for China, was detained by Bolshevik authorities in Siberia in 1920. She was soon thrown in prison, where she began writing letters to King George V of England. In these letters, she claimed to be his cousin, Anastasia. She was eventually transferred to an insane asylum, where she died in 1971. Later on, a more famous imposter surfaced. Her name was Eugenia Smith. In 1963, she published the autobiography of H.I.H. Anastasia Nikolaevna of Russia, she had first told her publisher that the manuscript was given to her by Anastasia before her death. Her publisher did not believe her claims, so he had her take a lie detector test. She failed. And then Eugenia changed her story, saying she wasn't given the manuscript, she had written it herself, because she was actually the Grand Duchess Anastasia, who had escaped in 1918. Her publisher made her face the lie detector again, but this time she passed. However, after anthropologists and handwriting analysts declared there was no evidence to support her claims, Eugenia Smith was discounted. 
And yet, she managed to make it into a popular Life magazine article which featured her story. These two women may have made some headlines, but there was another woman who would truly give them a run for their money. She would remain the most plausible of all the imposters. She was known as Anna Anderson. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, let's continue our story. Two years after the Romanov's execution, a woman in Berlin leapt off a bridge during a suicide attempt. When she was pulled to safety by police officers, she was brought to a mental health facility known as Daldorf Asylum. She had no identification and refused to give a name. All she had on her body were strange scars. Eventually, she would be called Anna Anderson. When she finally opened her mouth to speak, her Russian accent was undeniable. One of the other patients at the hospital began to believe Anna was the missing Romanov sister. And so, the patient sought out the expertise of some Russian officials and convinced them to visit Anna. An investigator met with Anna, but when he understood that she would not speak, he offered her a list of names to peruse. On it were the four names of the Romanov sisters. Anna communicated without words. She crossed out all the names but one, Anastasia. Then, Zina Tolstoy, a longtime family friend of the Romanovs, paid Anna a visit. She wanted to see for herself if this woman really was the long-lost Nastya. During their meeting, Zina could tell Anna was slow to communicate, so she tried a different approach. Zina sat down at a grand piano. Do you play? Or do you prefer dance? Perhaps a waltz? When Zina began to play, Anna suddenly lost it. She broke into sobs and collapsed on a nearby sofa. My dear, do you know that song? Anna told Zina that she did. The song was a piece Zina's brother had written and was known among the Romanov family. This proved to Zina that Anna Anderson was indeed Anastasia. But for close relatives who also met with Anna, it was a different story. They weren't buying it. Yet the evidence in favor of Anna was staggering. A handwriting expert compared Anastasia's writing with Anna's and concluded that the two were nearly identical. Anna also had a scar in the exact spot that Anastasia had a mole removed and a similar foot deformity Anastasia was known for. If that wasn't enough, a prominent anthropologist examined Anna's facial structure and stated that the evidence greatly suggested Anna was either Anastasia or her identical twin. Wow, that's pretty eerie. However, many claimed that these so-called experts were paid to come to these conclusions and that Anna was just out to gain a vast inheritance. Anna may not have received such riches, but she did spend some time hobnobbing with the New York City elite at one point. People were utterly fascinated by a woman who could have been a famous Russian royal, or at the very least, someone bold and kooky enough to pretend to be one. <laughs> so could this be true? Could Anastasia have escaped that night after witnessing the horrific brutality done to her family? And if so, did a guard help her? Had what she'd seen caused her to go insane and lose all sense of self? And did that jump off the bridge jog her memory somehow? Or was this Anna just a mentally ill woman who had taken on the identity of Anastasia? Could she have researched the family enough to know such intimate details of their lives? Could she have even given herself that scar? Or could she have been the reincarnated Anastasia? We could theorize all day. Yes, but years later, it emerged that Anna Anderson was most likely a woman by the name of Franziska Shanskowska, 
a troubled Polish factory worker who disappeared in 1920. Whatever the truth, the slew of imposters is just one example of the world's fascination with Anastasia Romanoff. She remains an enigmatic figure that has been explored by pop culture from all angles. For one, Ingrid Bergman starred as Anna Anderson in the 1956 film Anastasia. There were also made-for-TV movies and miniseries that explored the mystery of Anastasia's death. And in 2004, Steve Barry wrote a novel called The Romanov Prophecy. It chronicles the adventures of Anastasia and her brother Alexei after they are rescued by guards and make it to the United States under assumed names. And then, most famously, there is the animated film Anastasia which uses the legend of Anastasia's escape to craft a female empowerment story only loosely inspired by the real-life tale. So many adaptations have grown from the legend of Anastasia, and specifically, Anna Anderson's claims. This, of course, begs the question, whatever happened to Anna Anderson? Well, in 1970, the German Supreme Court, after a long and arduous case investigating Anna's claims, came back with a verdict. But it was neither conclusive nor satisfying. That's right. It was stated that Anna Anderson could not be proven to be Anastasia and could not be proven not to be Anastasia. Well, that's frustrating. It wasn't until years later, when technology enabled investigators to use DNA testing, that more information surfaced. Well, the bones collected from the burial site were confirmed to be those of the Romanovs. Comparing this DNA with Anna yielded this result. Anna Anderson was probably not Anastasia. Probably not? That's right. Anna went on to marry an American professor who called her Anastasia up until her death from pneumonia in 1984. So that was the end of Anna's story, but not Anastasia's. In 2008, a group of archaeologists discovered bone fragments and jars of acid near the burial site. Russian scientists did confirm them as the remains of the two missing Romanovs. Well, it's inconclusive whether it is Anastasia or her older sister Maria, though. But all the bodies of the Romanov family have been accounted for. It appears so. Yet none of the remains are specifically said to be Anastasia's. It's just very likely hers are somewhere in the mix. So we have answers, and yet not the specificity we would want to put this to rest. Well, apparently there is enough evidence to put it to rest, but maybe we don't really want to. Yes, we can see why this legend has survived the test of time. Without undeniable and direct proof against it, it still has a bit of vibrant life after all. It's fitting that the other meaning of Anastasia's name is actually of the resurrection. Regardless of the real story, a legend emerged out of a tragedy. A kernel of hope was found amidst violence, suffering, and death. And, frankly, isn't that what legends are for? Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of Famous Fates and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Famous Fates is a Spotify exclusive. Well, not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easier for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Famous Fates for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Famous Fates on Spotify, just open the app and type Famous Fates in the search bar. Remember, it's a Spotify exclusive, so you can only find the show right here. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time.
If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to Famous Fates, available exclusively on Spotify. Spotify.